first off to let him know that we're going live, but to join us as soon as he can, which we hope he will. But in the meantime, welcome to Talking Saratoga, a weekly, sometimes bi-weekly, podcast about the latest news debate and discussion in Saratoga Springs, a city that certainly does not suffer from a lack of opinions. I'm joined by my co-host, Andy Federici, and I hope to be joined soon by our other co-host, Adam Israel, who's over in Warsaw. But before, um, while we wait for him, rather, Dan and I just wanted to dive right in. It's been two weeks since we've met up with everybody. Uh, last week was spring break. We were all in different places. So we're, so we're pumped to be back here today and to be going over so much that's happened over the last uh, two weeks. Um, where do we want to begin, Dan? Because there's, there's a lot to talk about. Um, yeah, it seems to be the, the police department seems to always have uh, issues around it, the, the, the commissioner and so forth. And you, you, you have, as former commissioners, the media past commissioner, you've got a really good grip on these, these issues. Did you want to touch on those? Yeah, sure. Um, I think what I've seen over the last two weeks in the police department is exactly what we predicted. And it's really sad. Um, yesterday, there was another walkout, meaning uh, a walkout is basically a ceremonial um, Dan, you probably described this better, but when someone's leaving the department, whether they're retiring or whether they're leaving maybe to go to another department, um, there's kind of a ceremonial moment where everyone lines up outside the police station and, and you know, applauds and gives uh, the person leaving kind of this kind of moment, a, a ceremonial moment of respect and, and whatnot. So there was a walkout yesterday for another lieutenant, Lieutenant Sean Briscoe, who has been with the department for years and years and years and is also leaving. Um, so he has left. Um, I know that one of our other lieutenants who has been involved um, in some of the headlines that the commissioner has made uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, calling this lieutenant in particular inept or biased, he's not sure which, um, as it pertains to the lack of arrest with this you know, house party that we talked about a while ago. I, I don't anticipate that lieutenant coming back to the department. Um, I also know that one of my personal favorite officers, Officer Kudaransky, um, he also left uh, last week to go to the Glenville Police Department. And so the kind of hemorrhage of police officers that we have been talking about for the last couple of weeks, it's begun and it's bad. And you you know as well as I do, Dan, in a month and a half, the craziness begins, you know, and yeah. it, it, I, exactly. I don't know how we're handling it. In, in the police department, it's always important in the community, but this day and age, both with the the social issues that are going on, as well as you said, um, with summer, uh, we're so we're exactly two months and sixteen days, I believe, from track season. And you know, uh, there was a time when summer started a track season, but that was forty years ago. Now it starts in about two weeks, right? Yeah, uh, you can feel it already in the traffic here. You can just sense it. People are excited. It's a good thing, right? Summer, totally. yeah, it gets annoying uh, with the traffic and so forth. But to me, I'm excited to see uh, Saratoga come alive out of the winter and so forth. But that creates issues for the police department. And these are momentous times for all police departments. So we, there's not really much room for error. What, what I will say is, and uh, I'll draw a parallel with what's happening uh, with Ron Kim and his his, uh, his, his mayorality. Is, is that a correct word? Mayorship? I, um, I don't know, but I'm, kind of, I'm into it. I don't know. Okay. And I'll draw a parallel <laughs> between the two of them. Ron, let's face it, he started off very uneven, uh, just tripped a few times. Uh, and I'm not saying he's perfect, but, you know, he, he uh, and I'm jumping a topic here, but he, he, um, he finally came full circle and hired Tony Izzo as city attorney. That was a good move. He righted, to a large degree, 
somewhat righted that ship anyway uh, regarding that. That hopefully will no longer be talked about every week as we were talking about it, rightfully so. So he he found uh, he found some footing here. Um, Jim Montanino is still tripping up, but I see a sign or two that maybe he's uh, uh, catching his footing because there was an issue in the paper uh, two weeks ago regarding that house party. And Jim Montanino said words I never heard him say before. And those were no comment. Brilliant, Jim. Brilliant. Uh, I, 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 I thank him for that. And, um, you know, so maybe he is uh, slowly finding his footing. I'm not letting him off the hook yet, uh, but I don't want to beat him up when maybe he doesn't need to be. But there are problems, to your point. There are problems in this police department. Some of them came from, from Jim Montanino himself. The morale issue, it's as if he disregarded morale, almost a top-down 1960s madmen kind of theory of, you know, I, I'm the boss and you'll like it, kid, is kind yeah. of how it was going. I'm hoping I'm hoping he is uh, writing his ship. I, I don't know that. I, I see a little yeah. sign, perhaps. Well, and of course, I have to completely disagree with you on a few things, Dan, already. <laughs> but this is what we love about this show, guys, yeah. is that like we create a space where we can disagree respectfully. And we kind of like love it, actually, when we disagree, because we think a healthy debate about all these issues is is super important. Um, so I'm going to say that hiring Tony Izzo was a no-brainer, right? Hiring him to be the city attorney was a no-brainer. He already was the city attorney. Mm -hmm. But the point is, we had two city attorneys. We had a full-time city attorney with Vince Dillonardis. And then we had Tony Izzo doing 30 hours a week, probably more because everybody at City Hall is overburdened um, and, and underpaid in my opinion. But um, so we had two basically full-time city attorneys. So Ron Kim has made the step to hire Vin to hire Tony Izzo back again to be the city attorney. Wow, yay, way to go, Ron. We're halfway to where we were before. Like, I'm not gonna give the man praise for that, right? Okay, because we're only halfway back to where we need to be. And I know that there have been issues regarding insurance and litigation and vulnerability that the city has been put in right now that aren't being properly addressed because we don't have the proper legal counsel. Um, and so, you know, that's concerning to me. So I, I'm not going to give him like an attaboy for that. I'm going to give him a like, OK, you're getting back to a place of where we should have been come January 1. So there's that. Jim, Jim Montanino. He's going to have to do a lot for me to, to, to lay off of him because the fact of the matter is we have not made any new hires. There's two police officers. He said he was going to increase patrol officers. You can't do that unless you hire more people. I don't know about any more hires. Even if we did hire more people right now, they'd be going into the July Academy. And so we wouldn't see them at all. So all I see are people leaving the police department, no one coming in. And we're walking into what is going to be a very, very intense summer. And I don't know if you saw this, Dan. This is kind of random, but I saw online it was it was being tweeted um, up on Skidmore, which is where uh, my my youngest goes to preschool, and um, posters like all over Skidmore talking about how Skidmore students were potentially drugged at one of the bars downtown. Did you see that? I, I did, and, and I'll I'll let you. I, I won't. Uh, ruin your momentum. I, I would like to follow mm. up with that because I've got some issues with that. Yes, uh, go you ahead. know, yes. actually, I, 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 um, I don't, I don't want to be more specific because it did kind of, it was fairly specific about what bar, maybe potentially, and I don't want to repeat that because I think that's just, uh, I'm just not going to go there. But um, it was just an alarming thing to see. You know, it's not often that we see that publicized. Certainly, people are roofied, things are putting their drinks.
I, I know that has happened from time to time. It happens everywhere. And it's always something people need to be careful of. But it just made me really uncomfortable to, to, to see that at Skidmore and to see that that could have potentially happened to a group of students. And, you know, again, already we're, we're, we're hardly into the bar season. So anyway, what were your thoughts on that? Well, on that issue, I first found out about that on Adam's What's Going On Saratoga Facebook page. Mm. It was not on any of the traditional news outlet. I immediately posted it on, on Saratoga Report. It was, it, was a, it, was a good, it was a good scoop. Um, but Skidmore notified the campus community. I don't know if they notified the larger, larger community, you know, mainly city government, and maybe it was isolated. I don't know the details of this, but this, this took two or three days to come out. And, um, I, I'd like to look into, um, whether this should have come out more quickly because there, there could be people that aren't Skidmore students or, or the part of the Skidmore community. Yeah. This was a public bar. This was not on campus. This occurred. So I would just like to maybe follow up for next week's show, find out just what happened. Maybe they did notify uh, the city police department or city hall, and maybe it went nowhere from there. I, I don't know. But I, I think that needs to be looked into. I will say I have always been really impressed with the relationship between Skidmore uh, police or security and uh, like campus security and our police department. They've always had like a very functional communicative relationship. So my hope would be that they inform the police department. But I also had the same kind of question. Like to me, this is that's like a maybe a broader notice to put out, even just in like a PSA form. Like it doesn't have to be yes. about it doesn't have to have that same specificity about what bar potentially. But just like be aware that this could be right. happening, you know, it could be one individual just going around to different bars. And it, it's, a, it's a really scary thing. I actually myself was roofied back in God, 2003. Um, happily, like nothing happened except for the fact that I was like blacked out in the hospital. I, there was no, you know, I wasn't like assaulted. Nothing happened. But someone put something in my drink. And luckily I was with girlfriends. But it was it was it was horrible. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. And um, so anyway, that was that was a scary thing to see. But mostly I'm just I'm just deeply, deeply concerned about the safety of the community this summer. And I hope that Sheriff Zerlo will be as generous with his time and deputies as he was last summer, because really, that's the only way we're going to get through this um, somewhat intact, in my opinion. Um, did you have any other thoughts, Dan, on how, how we're going to attack this season? I, um, yeah, going back to that, and, and you and I, um, we, we should probably explain to some of the viewers, a lot of them know it, a few might not, that if you go into your insane season, you know, your crazy season, shorthanded, yeah, over, you, you can start off filling that with overtime and making it work. But by the time the Travers comes around, these police officers are exhausted, they're demoralized, they're, they're weary, they're maybe maybe disgruntled because they're forced in for overtime, they're, um, and that is part of police work, being forced overtime. But when it's day after day, and it's due to lack of planning, lack of hiring, poor management leading to uh, attrition losses, because I, and I, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, one, one of the attrition losses was to the town of Glenville. That's a lateral transfer. Um, that's that, that's more of a sign than someone retiring. Someone retiring, maybe maybe he or she's retiring because they want to get out because it's terrible. Or maybe they said, hey, I planned all along to do 25 years, building a house in Florida, goodbye. But a lateral transfer, um, unless he's from that town and his parents live there and so forth, that concerns me as much as anything. Because that's a young officer that's Saratoga paid to train. Uh, I looked him up. He was uh, well qualified. He he had some mm -hmm. additional training as a field training officer and so forth. So when you're losing that, that is a concern for me. Um, and and so again, yeah, you're forced to fill it with overtime. They're already shorthanded. They lose one yeah. more. You're forced to fill it with overtime, which which causes problems. You know, Jim Montanino 
made it made a statement that 12-hour shifts causes weariness. There's some truth to that, but not to the level he states. But at the same time, he's not addressing the issue. Jim, what, what does a shorthanded police department do to weariness and exhaustion to these police officers on forced yeah. overtime? Just a reminder to people that we're a city of 29,000 people. During track season, that number goes up to 75,000. 75,000. So that's huge. And that was a huge problem for us last summer was just straight burnout. People were getting burned out. And in July, they were burned out. So it, yeah, it makes me really nervous for the summer. And just on the on the issue of, of Officer Kudaransky, who went to Glenville, I had the pleasure of doing um, a ride along with him. I tried to do somewhat regular ride alongs because it was one of the few opportunities that I had to sit with one of our patrol officers for an extended period of time and really talk to them and get a sense of what it was like to have, you know, boots on the ground, what they were seeing, what they were experiencing. And, you know, they would open up to me in ways that they weren't going to open up to me in, you know, just in passing in City Hall. Right. And so Officer Kudaransky and I spent probably, I mean, I would always do overnights. Um, and so we spent at least, you know, six or eight hours doing an overnight together. And I left thinking to myself, Officer Kudaransky is, if I was putting together the recipe of exactly the kind of local police officer I would want in Saratoga Springs, that would be him. Like it would be him. He was incredible from the way he described why he wanted to go into law enforcement to his approach, to his demeanor, to the way I saw him interact with people. I mean, it was just really so compelling. And so I think that was just another reason why it was such a kind of punch in the gut to see him leave because I don't blame him at all. You know, I, 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 I would be hard pressed to stay in a police department with the current administration as well. And so, um, I, you know, I don't blame him for that at all. And I, I don't want to make people think that, but it just was, it was just a, such a huge loss for the department. Um, but anyway, speaking of um, danger, <laughs> this might sound ridiculous. And Dan, you've got to tell me if you agree with me or not on this, but I was reading about this agreement with CDTA that Mayor Kim has signed that is going to install electric scooters um, into where those bike share stations are. So like people might know in town, I think it was like sponsored by CDPHP at one point, I'm not sure if it's still sponsored by CDHP, but there were bikes that you could take and you could use them kind of like city bike in the city and then you could dock them back at one of the other stations. And I believe that you paid for it, although I'm not totally sure because I, I, I I've never used one. Now they're gonna introduce electric scooters um, along with these bikes. And I read that and I thought to myself, this is like the worst idea ever. And for, for a couple of reasons. One, um, they're incredibly dangerous. Even the person in the CDTA article that was describing it was like, if I didn't have a training on this, you step on it and your head is on the ground. Like they're, they're tricky. They're not like a, a super easy scooter to ride on because electric scooters just aren't in general. They're wobbly. They're, they're not super stable. Um, but also they ride in traffic. So you're, if you're 18 or older, you can hop on one of these electric scooters and just drive right into Broadway traffic and, you know, do whatever it is you need to do. But it just made me concerned about a, like who, who, who is this for? Like, are these for commuters? Because are these for people who are trying to get from point A to point B to get to work? Like, I, I don't think so. That doesn't really track to me. Um, are these for tourists? Do we want groups of tourists driving down Broadway or on any of the streets in Saratoga, which are already really precarious and full of traffic on electric scooters, having no idea what they're doing? Uh, do we want people who are drinking at the bars, doing a bar crawl, hopping on a scooter and driving to their next bar? 
I think not. I think it's like a recipe for disaster. The only person I think it benefits are like dentists everywhere because I think people are going to be knocking their teeth out right and left. But, and, and then also, and, and it's also sounds maybe a little silly, but the cost is 25 cents a minute. And while on its face, 25 cents a minute may not seem like a lot of money, that actually adds up. And by my like basic math, I, it's about $15 an hour is what I'm coming up with. And, and so that's not cheap. If you're using that to get, if you're using that to get from um, your home to your job, because you don't have any other transportation, that's not going to be cheap. Um, if you're with a group of people and you're here visiting, that's not going to be cheap. And so I'm just kind of like missing what this is for and why we would introduce it to Saratoga Springs. I don't think it's a great idea, but Dan, I would love to know if you agree or disagree because maybe I am just way off on this. Well, um, I do know CDTA started it in, in the Schenectady, Troy, Albany last year. It was supposed to come to Saratoga last year. There were some hiccups. I don't know what they were, but they sounded like they're political in nature. That's uh, stopped it from happening here last year. Um, so they do, CDTA does have a little bit of experience, at least in different communities, which admittedly are not Saratoga and don't have the uniqueness of, of Saratoga. Uh, but they at least come in, and I've seen them in other cities. So I would, I would cautiously uh, be... Uh, intrigued by them. And I think what you told me is we need to get Jamie Casco or, or somebody from CDTA on here next week. I And I'd like to pose that uh, to, to them because you're yeah. right. There are bad, there are bad accidents in Saratoga um, all summer long. Some are fatalities, right? Pedestrians. Yeah. And this is essentially when you're on, a, when you're on a, an electric uh, uh, item like that, you're almost a pedestrian. You're technically not, but it's the same danger type things where big car, small person on a motorcycle. I have a friend that rides a motorcycle. He says, I ride like everyone's out to get me. Yeah. You point out that somebody getting on, uh, renting one of these may be uh, intoxicated, may be young, may be foolish, may be just clueless and not- Maybe high. There. I'm sorry? <laughs> Maybe high. Yeah, th that too. Okay, that too, yes. I mean, well, I, I so many, so you're, you I, I, hope, I hope you end up there. not being correct. I hope this is, if this goes on, this is successful. There are no major injuries. Because um, I'm admitting there will be injuries, but hopefully nothing major. Um, I, I do like the program. I saw it when I went to the Preakness a couple of years ago. They had them in Baltimore, and um, but I but you you make legitimate you you address, you bring up legitimate concerns that I don't know if they've been addressed. CDTA does seem to be well run. I'm not going to give them blanket approval. Everything they do is correct because they they have some flubs. But um, they do have some experience, at least in other capital region communities from last year. So they're not they're not complete rookies at this. I guess my problem with CDTA is that what I hear from the community when I go into places like StoneQuest or when I go into um, areas where people are really relying on their bus service is that they change the bus schedules kind of um, without publicizing it very well. And people really struggle getting CDTA to um, function in Saratoga in a way that helps the people who really need it to get to work, to access medical care, to access social services. And so when I was in City Hall, I did call, um, I think, CARM, the silly, um, yes. a few times. I know that wasn't actually, it turns out that's actually, I think, under the purview of the mayor. So perhaps that's why I didn't get a call back. But at the time I was calling because they had taken away the bus stop um, that goes from Saratoga Springs to Balsam Spa and lets people off just before the social services. And so they had taken away one of those stops. People had to walk significantly further to get to the social services office. And I just thought, like, why would we remove a stop like that? 
They also like cut down the amount of times they were going to Saratoga Hospital from three to two. So if you're going to visit someone at the hospital, you were ex experiencing like an extremely long wait if you needed to get then picked up back by that bus. So my whole thing is like electric scooters are all well and good. They generate some nice headlines. I don't think they're a great idea for this community. But what I'd like to see CDTA focus on is the core demographic that it's meant to help, which are not tourists. You know, it, it, it's people who need transportation who can't afford traditional transportation options. And so I wish CDTA would put more of a focus on that. Um, having said that, now I don't know if they're going to come on this podcast yet, but I think we definitely should reach out to them. Um, I also just wanted to share a comment from Facebook because um, we do get live comments during this and, and we don't often share them and we should. Um, Chaz weighed in uh, a few minutes ago and said, what scares me is that the scooters can only be driven in the streets. And I just had a friend on the West Coast die because he was in a municipality with these scooters and they had the same rule. And that is obviously a tragedy that um, we want to avoid. And my apologies to Chaz that he, he knows someone that that's happened to because that's that's awful. Um, anyhow, moving on from that, I know we have a lot of other things to discuss, Dan. Um, for example, speaking of drinking and driving, <laughs> there has been a proposal from Commissioner Moran to increase. Um, basically make it legal in areas to drink, consume alcohol outside on the streets, to close off streets and allow people to walk and mingle and, and be able to drink out of open beds. Um, that's kind of how I understand the proposal. And maybe I'm missing details. Is that what you understood it to be, generally speaking? Um, I thought it was more of a uh, kind of expand the uh, footprint of restaurants and so forth out onto the sidewalks and streets. I, I didn't know it was a wide open, open container. Um, uh, proposal. Um, I thought it was more more of an expanse, expansive uh, thing of what the restaurants already have. And that's where John so, Kaufman's post earlier this week, or was it last week, said, hey, you need state approval for that. And right now you do have some state approval up till July, but that may expire right. if the legislature or the governor does does not take actions. And the city can't uh, do it alone. Um, so Correct. I, and and that yeah, is correct. It's uh, it, the, the state has language in the SLA. The SLA has language currently right now that expires on July 7th. Um, that gives all this expanded dining uh, areas. It covers them under their current liquor licenses. Um, whereas normally your liquor license only covers your business. And it's very specific in terms of where it's wh where you can serve alcohol, where you can't. Um, and so the state has to extend this language um, come July 7th. Excuse me, I'm wiping my nose. Sorry, guys. On a, ma on a reusable mask because I have no freaking Kleenex. <laughs> Ghetto. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, so yes, the state has to expand this language on July 7th um, for these outdoor dining areas to continue be able to be able to serve alcohol, which is pretty crucial. But Dan, I think the update that I had read this week was that he wanted to encourage more like beer garden experiences by, true, shutting, yeah. by shutting down roadways and opening them up to people milling and socializing and drinking. And I think like my instant reaction to reading that, and I don't want to sound like I'm just like completely against all these things. I think the expanded dining is awesome. I think it worked out well. Um, I think it's a little bit unfair for some places because it's kind of like a pick and choose who's, who's getting into who's not. That being said, I think it was, you know, it was, I did it with, with uh, the accounts department and the public works department um, two years ago when, when, when we, when, when we were in the pandemic. And so, you know, I think it's a good thing, but I think having open container laws kind of go away outside in streets 
whether it's a closed off area for a beer garden or just a festival in general, I think is just a bad idea um, because it actually takes away from the bars and restaurants revenue because people are going to be far more likely to bring their own booze, throw it in a cup, drink it outside. And so not only is it a public safety issue, but it also, in my opinion, doesn't help the bars and restaurants because why am I going to pay for a $13 cocktail if I can mix my own vodka lemonade, walk down the street and drink it out of a red solo cup? That I those, those listen. You've got valid concerns and others that have criticized this. Let me give Dylan a little bit of a plug. Yeah, he seems to have some energy. He's trying. Yeah. Things. Maybe they're wrong things. I don't know. Uh, I'm. I'm. You know, the specifics may end up being uh, poorly designed. But let's face it. What he's proposing and what ultimately occurs at the end will be two different things because of this process. Is you know the the rest of uh, of the city council, the public, the the establishment owners, and so forth. Yeah, is he probably reaching too far and maybe not considering all the ramifications? I believe that, but I do, I do like Dylan's energy on the issue because let's face it, we are a tourist uh, location. Uh, we don't want to just stay with the old way of thinking. Uh, come up with some new ideas, and if they're bad, we'll, we'll, you know, there's people like you and me to point them out as well as the bar owners and so forth. Uh, but I do like his energy. You know, what? I'm gonna agree with you on that. A do nothing commissioner is useless to us and whether or not i like what he's doing or not he's taking action he's he's following through on the things he campaigned on and so i totally do give him credit for that like i i agree with you you're you're right um he does he does have some really good energy and uh i don't know if it's good energy but he's got a lot of energy <laughs> and and he's and he's getting some things done um so what oh you know what one of the other ideas that uh not ideas but one of the other things we wanted to talk about and we haven't gotten to not to jump back to public safety again, but was the Civilian Review Board was released. Um, Jim Montanino had campaigned on putting together a Civilian Review Board based on the police policy review, um, their, the collaborative, rather, their recommendations. Um, I think he said he was going to come out with this. Am I making this up, Jane? He was going to come out with it earlier on. I, I don't know when he yeah. promised. I'm getting all my dates mixed up. But he did finally release it, I think, last week. And Dan, I don't know if you had a chance to read it, but I would love your thoughts on it. A uh, six-page document. It's not very different um, from what was before, right? There were some tweaks and changes. I don't recall sig significant changes from the document you worked on. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't see too too many. I saw some things um, that I, I disagreed with. I mean, I just think the subpoena thing, uh, asking for subpoena power, I think it's just going to be an automatic. It's just going to trigger an automatic lawsuit from the PBA the same way we saw in Albany, like that's exactly what happened in Albany. Um, and so I just don't know why you would start with that in there. Um, for those who haven't followed this issue of subpoena power, sorry, go ahead, Dan. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, there are, I, I have a lot of issues with, with it, whether it's the old document or the new document, that that being one of them. Um, the, the, um, the whole idea of this, and I'm not saying we should not have a civilian review board, but it's sort of put out there as a panacea uh, that it, it's going to, it's so important. And I don't know that it's that that important when there are other issues. We talk about the staffing of the police department. What are we doing about diversity in the police department? I didn't see it when they did it with the fire department. They can have a they can have a plan to increase their diversity. I haven't heard anything about that. I think that does more for any issues in the community regarding police community relations than and than than a civilian review board. It's just it's sort of taken on a life of its own, like um, once we're done with that, we've accomplished the world. And again, I'm not saying we shouldn't have one. I just don't think it's, uh, it's important. It, the importance that it's been placed 
um, uh, that's been placed upon it just seems overstated. So I think my interpretation of what you're saying is that people look at civilian review boards as the end all be all for solving the issues between the community or parts of the community and the police department. And when I've done a tremendous amount of research on this, um, when I was in office, but even prior to that, because I grew up in New York City, New York City, Dan, as you know, was the birthplace of the Civilian Review Board in the 1970s. That's when Civilian Review, New York City was first the first municipality to um, start a Civilian Review Board in the 1970s due to police corruption. And it, and it was really necessary there, but that, that is a completely different scenario than the scenario we find ourselves in. But when you look across the country, the vast majority of Civilian Review Boards fail. And they fail because they don't have buy-in from the different groups in the community that you need to have buy-in from. So what happens is that people seem to get really excited about it. Like their city's doing it, they have it, they've passed it, it's gonna work. And then it doesn't work because, you know, for various reasons, because they stacked it with activists, um, because the police department isn't on board, because the community isn't on board. There, there, there's a number of reasons and it fails. And then everyone is so tremendously demoralized and, and then where do you go from there, you know? And I, so I think, I think our current system doesn't quite work um, for a couple of reasons. It, it, the civilian oversight comes just from the commissioner. And there isn't, one of the things we had kind of like worked on was we established a pro professional standards uh, to, uh, position. And so we had one of our lieutenants assigned to professional standards. And so we had started a workflow, a very specific workflow for how every complaint would be handled, a timeline and um, a system such that if someone called me um, or got in touch with me or you know complained anonymously or complained online, that was one of the things we also did. The complaint, if you want to complain, if you had an issue with a police um, officer, you can you can complain, uh, you can file your complaint online anonymously. You can call anonymously. You can call the commissioner. Um, so there were a lot of ways to kind of uh, articulate the problem. Um, but the, you know, timeline in which you were hearing back and, and kind of how it was handled after that was a little bit murky because every commissioner handled it differently. And so I thought that needed standardization, like that process needed to be standardized. And we were kind of on our way to doing that by establishing this professional standards position with tenants. Of course, since the new administration has taken over, that person has, uh, is subsequently gone. So um, there is no professional standards um, lieutenant anymore that I'm aware of, which I think is a real shame, um, because even if this civilian review board does go forward, it's not going to go forward and be in action up and running for a long, a long time, a long time. So it, in the interim, I don't point. know where it leaves us. You, you made a great point about the PBA. Um, there are many issues in the civilian review board proposal that the PBA will take issue with. And they have a legal right to do that based on civil service law, uh, the collective bargaining agreement and other things. So it, it could end up being a litigation nightmare for the city if they don't work with the PBA. And I'm not saying the PBA is, is going to block it. I, I don't know what they'll do. But I'm saying is they will. I have no doubt. I know this PBA and they're a good police union. I know the law firm that uh, represents the PBA very well. And, and they're a very good law firm. They're, they're not just going to look the other way if the city is violating the Taylor law or other laws or the CBA on this. And there are a lot of flashpoints in that document that I noticed that I was like, oh boy, this could be a problem. And Jim Montanino came in with some experience in the courts. 
what is painfully obvious in the first few months is he has zero labor experience. Just I'll say, yeah. I don't know this for a fact, but based on what the actions he's taken, I will say he has zero public sector labor law experience. I couldn't agree more. And you know, one of the things I was going to uh, try to inquire about or foil about are how many grievances have been filed against this current administration by the various, uh, by the various unions. Um, in public safety, I dealt with seven different unions. In the two years I was there, we didn't have a single grievance. Really? Um, I, yeah, yeah, we because we were going through such a tough time and we just all knew that we had to work together. And so everybody made sacrifices to get us through, for example, the COVID crisis and the budget crisis, like everybody, because everyone had the same, brought the same intention and the same sincerity to the work they were doing. And that's not what I'm seeing from this council. And I know that there have been grievances filed already with this council, um, which is which is really a shame because um, labor relations are, are critically important to the the, the running of our city. Um, so I, I, I hate to see that. Um, in other news, um, I know we had a couple other things we wanted to talk about. Let's see. Oh, school board elections. So school board elections are coming up, right? They're coming up at the end of the month. Yes. Um, I don't even know the exact day, which is embarrassing. I will I want to say May 25th, you know? uh, whatever. May that, 25th? I'm guessing. I, I just looked at it. I, the end of May, you're right. Well, so we wanted to let our viewers know this is something Dan and I and Adam and I had talked about. We are going to be inviting all the school board candidates on to Talk in Saratoga to do a special kind of edition of Talk in Saratoga, where we just go around and ask some questions. Everyone will get the same questions. Very basic, very not controversial but just to inform people about the various candidates and what they stand for and what their platforms are. Because right now I think there are three seats available and I think there are seven people running. So there's actually gonna be a lot of, it's gonna be competitive. It's gonna be a competitive school board election. And I think that people don't realize until it's a little too late, how important it is to have their voice heard um, through their school board. And so I think it's an important it's an important election. It's an important thing for people to know about, and people should be informed in terms of who they're voting for. So I think we should be doing a Talking Saratoga School Board forum. And Dan, I hope you are still on board with that idea. Uh, yes. What what I've seen in recent years, and it's probably it's probably true all over the country, but I've certainly seen it in Saratoga that 30 years ago, school board elections, at least on the surface, were very different than the Republican Democratic uh, battles in the uh, community, in, in the municipalities. Now I see uh, just clear alignments uh, amongst ideologies and party lines and so forth, that it's essentially just, it feels like another city hall election. Um, and, and you're seeing that already in this election. Yes, no, Dan, it is crazy to me because the first thing I heard about the, um, about the school board elections were the three candidates that the Democratic City Committee was endorsing. Yeah. And I'm like, why are, wh how? I, I, I mean, I was just perplexed. I mean, as a school board candidate, why you would go to the City Democratic Committee as your first stop to, you know, co coalesce your, your, your candidacy is like beyond me because it's not supposed to be political. And then for the city committee to be like totally down with it and to be supporting three people. They're supporting John Brueggemann, Natalia Latakia, who's also a part of the Saratoga Democratic, uh, the Democratic Socialists of America, the Saratoga chapter. Um, uh, and then um, and then somebody named Martha something. I don't know the names. I, I just- I, I'm I sorry, I don't know Martha. I apologize, That's this is not personal. You just haven't been on the school board before, so I don't know your name. John Bergerman um, and Natalia Latakia are both uh, incumbent school board um, 
members already. They're already on the school board. Um, I think there are some other candidates running. I do not believe they're aligned with any political party. Um, I know Billy McCann is one of them. I've spoken to her um, and she is, has no political affiliation, um, which was actually really refreshing to hear. Um, and I, I, I believe there's someone named Ed Stickler running, um, although I haven't spoken to him. Um, and anyway, I'm gonna put up an email on her again, because if you are running and wanna come on this forum, email info at talkingsaratoga.com. We will have a date in the next couple of days, if not if latest, the next week. Um, and we're going to try to make it really close to the school board election because I don't know, Dan, if you've had this experience, but in the past, I basically hear like crickets from my social circle about the school board election until maybe 48 to 24 hours before, if not the day of. And then they're like, Robin, 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 who do we vote for? Who do we vote yeah. for? Who's running? And so I, I'd like to do it um, as close to the election as we can. Yeah. This year, though, I think it's going to be a little different. I, I sense... Uh, a lot of energy. I think the month of May is going to be interesting for these elections. You know, they've always been years ago. They were sleepy affairs. Yeah, maybe two percent voted. I, I don't know what the percentages were, and I'm not predicting uh, record-breaking turnout. But what I am saying is, I, I think there's going to be a lot of door knocking, flyers at the door, more than you've seen in past years. I just sense it. I don't know that for a fact. I just sense yeah. this could be at least comparatively, uh, relatively. Uh, a robust uh, season in May for the school board elections. And for anyone who's interested in the school board elections or for anyone who's running for the school board, it's going to put in a little plug here for Saratoga Sponsor a Scholar. Saratoga Sponsor a Scholar, we have a derby party. That's our, our annual fundraiser. It funds all of our scholars. And it's next Saturday. It's on Derby Day. Today is the last day to buy tickets. Tickets are almost sold out. So just Google Saratoga Sponsor Scholar and you will see the Derby Day party information. But if you're interested in the school, if you're involved and, and you want to support kids in our Saratoga Springs High School who fall under the federal poverty, uh, poverty they, they have to qualify for the uh, federal free lunch program to be eligible for this program um, and have a commitment to working hard in their academic life and going to college. And these kids are incredible. The sponsor of scholar kids are just unbelievable. They inspire me every day. And um, virtually, I think like 98% of your donation goes to our organization because we're an almost all volunteer board. And so it's a great party. It's $125 a ticket. Open bar, kids. Open bar for $125 a ticket. Tons of food. Four to eight o'clock at the lodge. You can wager. You can bet. You can socialize you can watch all the races it's awesome so anyway that, just had to put a little plug a, in for that that was a beautiful brilliant <laughs> segue into something near and dear to your heart uh, wow you. I, we could do this for 10 years i don't think that'll ever be outdone <laughs> and i'm sorry adam Thank i wasn't you. here to see it but good for you robin you know when you and i first met you may not remember this you talked about um when they were going to put a code blue location right near your house on mm. Caroline Street, and you were all fired up against it, but then you started investigating it, and then you joined the board, I think, for Code Blue or one, one of the homeless organizations, and you learned about the homeless problem, and uh, you, you've, you've got a big heart. I'm, I'm uh, honored <laughs> to be associated with you. Thank you, Dan. That is very kind. Um, yes, Code Blue, that was exactly how that happened, and Code Blue ended up being like one of the best things that ever happened to me on our street, believe it or not, but that's a story, a story for another day. In yes. the meantime, I thought we'd wrap up and do some cheers and jeers. What do you think? Um, yes, and I had a wonderful cheer, and, and I don't. I have a note here, cheer dash, and I, I, I don't have it. Can I, can I uh, go to you to start? Yes, you can go to me to start. Okay, so 
my cheer for the week, I know this is pretty a little personal, but my cheer for the week is my mom. And I'll tell you why. My mom, <laughs> my mom reads the New York Post every day. She lives in Manhattan. And there was a conversation, ironically, about electric scooters and electric vehicles and wanting to increase electric vehicles uh, in, in Manhattan. And she wrote a letter to the editor in the New York Post and had it published immediately. And for New Yorkers, getting your letter to the editor published in the New York Post is really kind of exciting, however you feel about the Post. I know it's not all real news in the Post, but it's something that we love. And so I got to give a cheer to my mom because she was so pumped about it. We were so pumped about it. And um, it was awesome seeing her name in print and her her letter to the editor of the Post. So like, yay, mom, love you. Um, you're awesome. Uh, my dear for the week. Um, you know what? I, I actually don't really have a dear for the week only because last week being spring break, I honestly needed to like turn off Saratoga for a week. Um, it, it can be really all consuming here in terms of politics. And so I just need to take a little break. And so I guess, um, and so because of that, I have no cheer. There it is. I, I um, my, my cheer, and this is one I know is gonna be near and dear to your heart. I, I you know, we've, we criticize city council a lot, both individually and as a body. Um, the way they have honored Skip Scirocco uh, our public mm. or the uh, public works commissioner that passed away. Just, it still freaks me out that he died this month. Like here we are, he, he's alive at the beginning of the month. Uh, by, by a third of the way through the month, they're having a, a wake and funeral for him. Then a few days later, they're, they're naming uh, uh, buildings after him appropriately. So that is my cheer that they are honoring Skip Scirocco by naming the music hall. And I did not know he was a musician. Robin, you knew him personally, and you, yeah. you adored him, I think, from what you've told me. You, I did. I, I did. And I can't talk about it too much. I'll start crying. I, um, well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll get you off the hook there. So from someone looking from a distance, I knew uh, Skip ever so slightly. He did uh, buy an ad from Saratoga Report when he ran uh, last fall. Not that he needed to. He was a he was a great vote getter. He he was old school politician. I really was amazed uh, by some of the things he did. But uh, kudos to this uh, city council for for honoring him. And uh, and, and they seem to be um, uh, it seemed to be a very fair approach to finding his successor. Right? They're not uh, uh, the see they the you know they hired a former city commissioner to lead it. I, I know you've got your personal feelings on that. But for me, again, looking from a distance. Yeah. Um, it looks like they're going about this methodically. Uh, maybe in the end, it's a political decision, but at least at the beginning, it doesn't look, uh, um, you know, like, like a sham. You know what? That is a great topic to talk about next week. I, for me, it's like a little too soon still to talk about. I just like can't talk about his replacement yet. But next week, let's talk about it, and hopefully, Adam will be back, and we can have a robust discussion about okay. how they're approaching it. And also, okay. next week, I think it's a city council meeting on Tuesday, right? Uh, should be first and third, right? So yes, but yeah, I still yeah. need a jeer in. You got to let me get my jeer in. And I'm, oh, I'm, sorry, your jeer. Sorry. I'm going to rehash an old jeer because now it's closed. The Price Chopper on Railroad Avenue. Oh, and I'm no. really, and as you know, I, I you, you're not far from there. I, I, My office is not far from there. I'm uh, really bummed by that personally. It's selfishness that I'm, I'm giving. I, I'm not a Price Chopper fan anyway, as I said on the previous show, but I'm bummed personally. But there are a lot of people that relied on that Price Chopper. And no, no matter how, and I saw online on Adam's uh, page, people talk, well, well you know, the 80-year-old woman can talk about, she has a way to get a ride to go to the Boston Avenue. No, that, that's very difficult for an older person when they're used to having it right there. So I'm sorry, one final uh, jeer to Price Chopper, then I'll leave him alone. Uh, no, I'm with a, you. A, a down, the downtown store that I thought was, uh, and, and now it's real. It's, it's gone. 
And, I know. Uh, it's, 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 it's just, it's sad. I hope something great goes in there. We, uh, we, we had a couple ideas what it might be, uh, but uh, right now it's empty. So I, I just have to tell you that I relied on that grocery store so much. And I'm not kidding every single day since it's been gone. I've been like, oh, I need more milk. Oh, I need more eggs. Oh, I need more whatever. And I go to start walking up and then I'm like, it sucks. It just sucks that it's gone. It really sucks. It It's already like dramatically affected my downtown life. And that stinks. And I'm sorry, but I'm not going to walk to the Boston Avenue price chopper and back to pick up my, you know, two bags of groceries that I need for the day or my little, you know, I've run out of something for a recipe. I'm not walking to Boston Avenue. I'm just not. It's too far. Exactly. It would take me I, like. It would take, yeah. I, I will try to. You know, I feel guilty that I never go to Four Seasons. I, we try to eat healthy. We go to the other, the the, the big ones out at the mall and so forth. Um, but I never get there. It's just a little out of the way for me. But you know what? They're local. They they support this community. I don't know them, but I, I'm going to make it a point to go to the Four Seasons store on Henry Street, right? Yeah. And uh, I've only been there maybe three times uh, before. I'm going to try to start using that. Uh, not as convenient. They don't have quite as many items as, as Price Chopper had, of course. Uh, but uh, they are local, and, and God bless them. I, I want to support them. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And I just want to say I, I go there with some regularity. I think they're wonderful. I love them. They are a true health food store, though. And and so for me, with four kids, it's tough. financially, it's not feasible for me to like really shop there. Um, but also, they just don't have the stuff that I. They have probably twenty percent of the stuff that I need. Um, that's not to say that they don't have one hundred percent of the stuff that other people need. Right. They also have really awesome prepared food. They have like one of the best paninis in like town. I like love it. So yeah, I fully encourage people to go to the Four Seasons on Henry Street as well. Um, it's not going to take the place of my normal price shopper shopping, unfortunately, mm. but it's an awesome, awesome business and, and we should all be supporting it. So I'm really glad you brought that up, Dan. Great. Great. And also for everyone out there who thinks that Trader Joe's is going to come move into Market Center, you're dreaming people. Trader Joe's ain't coming. It's not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. Okay. Let's just oh, stop Chick-fil-A. talking. Are we, are we getting a Chick-fil-A here? <laughs> oh God. Why am I the only person who like doesn't like, doesn't like doesn't like Chick-fil-A. Well, you know, I, we, we've got so many great independently owned uh, places here that have way better chicken than Chick-fil-A, but it's such a topic of conversation. Like I couldn't help but, but joke about it. I know. I know. It cracked me up. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm afraid. I feel like saying I don't like Chick-fil-A. It's like saying I don't like the track. Like I feel like people are going to come after me, but there it is. Anyway. <laughs> All right, Tim. Thanks for joining me. Love talking Saratoga with you as always. Um, we miss our friend Adam in Warsaw, but we know he is in Poland. He's doing incredible work over there. And oftentimes, shockingly, their internet is not, you know, his internet is a little spotty. Yes. So we missed him today, but we hope to see him back next week. Um, we will be back next Wednesday uh, to discuss everything that happens in next Tuesday city council meeting and more. So we will see you then. You can check out this podcast on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, Anchor, Sar- all over the place. Sar- Saratoga Report. <laughs> And Saratoga Report, of course, of course, of course, where we're streaming live right now. Yes. All right, sir. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you for watching, folks. Thanks, Robin, for running the show. Bye. Bye -bye. Of course.